Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good Good morning, everybody. It's Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. We are a business of Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. This is the weekly economic and market commentary beginning today, January 10th, 2022. Don't forget to follow me intra-week on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Of course, this is available as a subscription with slides uh, by just emailing info at efficient-portfolios.com. It has to be put on the list or via podcast, any of the podcast formats, slaying bulls and bears, making the complex and complicated, simple and sensical. You can speak to your Google or Siri, Apple device and listen to the podcast. This is prepared for use with you, whether you are an investment advisor, financial advisor, or an individual investor. Uh, by me. Nothing in here, though, should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any security. Everything is for informational purposes only, and its accuracy, adequacy, or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Well, we had a nice negative week in equities to kick off the year as interest rates really spiked higher. We saw the yield on the 10-year Treasury get up to about 175 last week, and we're up to about 180 here this morning as it becomes more and more likely, in fact, I think it's almost completely likely that the Fed will begin to raise interest rates in 22. I think the first, there is a January meeting and a March meeting. I think they're going to prepare us at the January meeting and they're going to implement the first rate hike at the March meeting. Everything was red across the board last week except for floating rate US treasuries. Uh, They were up about two basis points. Uh, the, The floating rate note index, not US treasuries, sorry, US corporate note index. Uh, you can see that was actually uh, positive ever so slightly. Uh, let's get into the economic data because it was largely very good. Let's start with manufacturing. The market manufacturing PMI for December was at 58, called 57.7, virtually unchanged, down a tad from the prior month, signaling strong growth of the manufacturing sector. That was backed up by the ISM reading, Institute for Supply Management reading for December fell to about 58.7. Above 50 is expansion. Anything above 55 is rapid expansion. The economy is expanding rapidly, whether it's at 61 or 58.7 is really not the issue. But what I have been showing you monthly for the last, I don't know, three or four months now is this, and this is now updated. Every time the ISM number comes out, this is updated. This is backlogs to inventories. And this is one of the reasons why we're so bullish on economic growth earnings and therefore the stock market going forward. If you take a look at this, red bars represent recessions. When you come out of a recession, your inventories are low. That's the orange line because you've sold out of them and you didn't want to commit capital to building inventories when you you were uncertain about demand. But this recession was not demand-based. Demand was extremely high. The economy was booming when we just turned it off because of the virus. We sent people home. Then we gave them money, we stimulated them with monetary stimulus, but we were shutting down manufacturing and services so there wasn't things for them to buy. As we reopened, I think people took the money and they rushed out to buy things. 
So when you come out of a recession, you're usually worried about getting demand back. We weren't worried about that. And you can see the backlog, uh, um, the backlog of orders was the highest it's been coming out of the prior recessions. It's only just now begun to get a little lower and it's still higher than it was coming out of the last two recessions. Well, at the same time, inventories, the orange line, lower than it was in the prior two recessions. It's off its low from a couple of months ago, but still extremely low. The gap between uh, backlog of orders and inventories is extremely wide. That gap represents the growth opportunity for 22 and for 23, and there's no lack of demand. It's not was not a demand recession, it was a supply side recession. As such, we expect the growth, earnings, profitability, orders, everything to come back and continue to come back strong like it has been. November factory orders were released last week, solid gain. Typically factory orders, is almost an oscillating series. You see here, up, down, up, down, up, down. You have big gains sometimes from aircraft orders. Two big drops when we shut down the world economy, followed by three huge gains, and then just continued solid gains there without any monthly declines since then. That's unusual, but that's the environment we're in. That's how good business is right now. The one industry, though, that's not experiencing that is, the, is particularly the automobile industry, is they can't put out more product. With healthy economy, with strong labor, earning good earnings, real wages rising, you usually sell more cars. 16 to 18 million a year is the annualized rate in the US has been for some time when things are going well. We're down at 12.44 million annualized for the December report because the automotive industry still is dealing with supply chain issues. Let's move on to the services side. That's 85% of the U.S. economy, by the way, where manufacturing is only about 15%. In December, the market services number was at 58 again, or 57.6. Again, very strong. Moving on to the Institute for Supply Management number. We had a monster number in November. You can see there, I think that was the highest I'd ever seen. Uh, we're still at a very high number here, 62 down from 69.1. Some some supply chain issues moderating a little bit according to the survey uh, there. And then it's surprising that employment fell a tad. This all appears related to the surge in the Omicron variant. Remember when we had the initial coronavirus was just massive layoffs. We're not seeing that. So the fact is we still saw hiring above 50. It expanded just a little bit slower pace. We're handling it differently this time. We're not going to shut down the world economy that we know now was a mistake from an economic perspective, you know, shutting down everything, couldn't go to a baseball game, et cetera, uh, and all that. And now we're, we're, we have, of course, unlike last time, we do have uh, vaccines and we have uh, more therapeutics, the ability to treat this uh, virus. So uh, there you go. Construction spending in the month of November was up four tenths of a percent, second straight month, up 9%, more than 9% over a year over year basis. That's very solid. So we're getting trades back to work there. Moving on to labor, so we've talked manufacturing, we've talked services, we've talked construction, let's talk labor. Initial jobs claims, were, when they're below 300,000, that's a good, solid, growing economy. We've been below 200,000 for a couple of weeks. They got to 207 last week. That's a very, very low number, signals strength in the economy uh, all the way around, no complaints there. We also got the JOLTS report, job openings, that's for November, there's a little bit of a lag when we get that report but it's still at 10 and a half million, very, very high 
far exceeds the number of actual unemployed people, which means, of course, real wages have to go higher. That's a supply and demand issue, pretty basic one. Quits, though, the great resignation continues. Four and a half million Americans voluntarily quit their job. Uh, this is because competition for their labor is very high and they're getting offers and they're making moves. And you usually don't make moves unless you're confident in the intermediate to long-term outlook for the economy. Americans seem fairly confident. We got the two big jobs reports last week. One is ADP, Automatic Data Processing, the giant payroll company uh, and benefits company. And then the other is the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They use two different models. ADP, because they do payroll for so many companies, has a model where they estimate the number of jobs based on how much business they did and what they think their market share is. They believe that private payrolls rose 807,000 in December, uh, big, big number. Uh, service sector, 669,000 as the service sector continues to get back to work. Leisure and hospitality, despite the Omicron variant of the coronavirus, added 246,000. This is on top of a big number that they reported in November of a half a million. The Bureau of Labor Statistics, they have a different methodology, so the numbers are always going to be a little bit different. The U.S. government has a pretty good ability to look at what they call the death birth model of uh, companies. And because of that, they see that saw payrolls only grow 200,000 on top of 249,000 in November. Uh, prior couple of months were revised higher, uh, but unemployment down at 3.9% is very, very strong. Uh, the, I saw several press reports, CNBC commentators, talking heads, you know, talking down the, 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 the 199 and, and then ignoring the big number from ADP. You really can't ignore them. They tend to converge over time. Uh, I think keeping your politics out of the portfolio, I think if you look at this uh, dispassionately, uh, most people would agree the jobs reports for the last several months have been quite good. Average hourly earnings in December were up six tenths a percent and 4.7% year over year. Now that's a real increase in average hourly earnings. If you look at this graph, you can see we were kind of stuck at this 2%, below 2% for quite a long time here. Slowly started getting better 15, 16, and then really started getting better 18, 19. Um, this spike, just ignore it. This has to result in the shutdown, you know, just as this, this was reopening stuff. But the reality is real wages, that's net of inflation growing at four, four and a half percent, signifies a very significant increase in the, in the real wealth and the standard of living of the American worker. And that's a positive development anytime it happens. In, in November, the trade deficit surged to $80 billion. Why? U.S. consumers are still flush with cash and they're buying stuff. Imports rose to a record $304 billion, not only for buying stuff, but for buying foreign oil. If you remember, the prior administration was very uh, set on uh, bringing energy production domestic and not relying on foreign energy. Uh, the current administration is, 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 would prefer to, to have less domestic production because of environmental concerns and therefore rely more on foreign importation. Um, and so, therefore, foreign importation costs more. It's contributing to inflation. You're seeing it, it you know, here in San Diego, where I live, we pay over $5 for a gallon. Uh, but, you know, and, and that is a subtraction to GDP. The balance of payments, uh, balance of trade, balance of payment deficit is a subtraction from GDP. 
So that does hurt the GDP number a little bit for um, the month of November. So where are we and what's my view? You heard me talk about the fact that things were pretty expensive uh, last week. You heard me talk about the fact that we're going to be raising rates in March. Uh, but uh, this week, I want to give you a little more optimistic view of things or take on things. And that is, look, it's a little batter, battle, right? Fed is backing off the gas pedal, no question about it. But earnings are surging. Fourth quarter consensus is for double digit quarter over quarter earnings per share growth. This is the fourth consecutive uh, quarter, which is the strongest earnings recovery in history coming out of a recession. The consensus is for almost 20% earnings growth, which, uh, which, which flows through to all 11 sectors of the, the GIC sectors of the economy and 70% of the companies expected to show these gains. So uh, early in the fourth quarter, we heard a lot of companies as they report earnings guide lower. We're gonna get that again, we always do. Um, but as we got towards the end of the quarter, many of them reversed that and started to, get, to, to uh, guide higher. Earnings season kicks off in earnest this week. Financials, City, Wells, uh, all um, Bank of America, I believe, uh, I, I've got it later in the presentation, all, all report on Thursday, excuse me, it's J.P. Morgan, City and Wells, uh, report on, uh, on Thursday. At the same time, this is, so this is the glass sort of half full, the glass half empty is, oh, but the Fed's going to raise rates. Oh, but the Fed is going to stop purchasing mortgage-backed securities and U.S. Treasuries. Yes, they're going to wrap up those asset purchases no later than the March meeting, in my view. And on March 16th, they will announce a 25 basis point interest rate hike. They may give us this week with the beige book uh, some idea of what's under up for discussion in the January meeting, but I don't see them at all raising rates at the January meeting. I think they should and they could, but I don't think they will. Um, so if you want to be negative, it's this fear that the inflation sticks, that we don't take care of supply chain issues, that we continue to have the impact of the foreign, uh, the oil uh, on, on our CPI numbers, uh, et cetera. I, however, uh, am leaning far more to the earnings side, and I'm going to show you that here in this slide. So the blue here represents the earnings yield of the S&P 500. You can see it's been climbing for the past year. Um, that's the earnings divided by the price. Well, if the price is higher and the earnings yield is higher, that means the earnings are really growing, and they are. And this is on trailing earnings. Earnings for 22 are, are likely to be far higher. So we might be at an earnings yield right now, instead of 4% as indicated here, we might be at four and a half on expected earnings of 2022. You compare that to the risk-free yield on the US Treasury, which has recently shot up from a low of 60 basis points in 2020 to 1.8. I'm looking over at my screen, it was 1.81 or 1.82. There it is, 1.80 as we speak. Um, yes, the rates have come up, come up, but there's still a big gap here. We call that the equity risk premium. And that equity risk premium, somewhere between 2% on trailing earnings, 2.13, and maybe 3% on forward earnings estimates, if those earnings estimates turned out to be accurate. So you say, well, then why is the market selling off today? And why has it been selling off last week? Well, the interest rate shot up. That spooked the markets a little bit. Remember, there's a lot of highly levered, speculation players in all markets. And so they drive all the volatility. The people listening to this, our customers, me, I'm more of a long-term investor, don't do a lot of that short-term trading. So I don't necessarily like to trade based on where interest rates are going this week or next. I wanna trade based on long-term earnings more than anything else. 
And this correction that we're at, as of about 15 minutes ago, we're off 4% from an all-time high that was reached in the week between Christmas and New Year. This is a very repeatable, consistent pattern we've seen for the last couple of years. You can see there's a 4.2% correction in the S&P. There's a 4%. There's a 5 There's a 4 And here we are down 3.97. Let's call it 4% um, here, right ahead of earnings season again. And I'm, that's the thing. I really think that the market won't continue to trade off once the earnings start to get reported, which really begins in earnest this Thursday. So I don't really think there's much for us to think about, worry about uh, with earnings and demand being as strong as it is. Lots of economic data this week. Let me tell you what matters. Maybe that Fed beige book, CPI, if it surprises one way or the other, higher or lower. Uh, lower would be certainly positive. If it was real high like it was the prior month, that could be a concern. Same with PPI. Same with PPI that's coming. Uh, where is PPI? That'll be out later this week. And, oh, there it is on Thursday. Friday, capacity utilization, consumer center, business inventories, import, export, et cetera. But the big, big news will be the earnings of the big three financials, Wells, J.P. Morgan, and Citi on Thursday. And then we get right into earnings the following week. And then I think it's going to be hard to keep this market soft if uh, earnings continue to uh, blow the doors off, margins stay high, they're able to withstand the higher wage costs, the higher input costs. And we start seeing some announcements on easing of some of the supply chain issues. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.